morning journey. Man, thank you so much for probably parking a little further away today than you normally do or parking in a different spot than you normally do. Nothing like crashing your iPad on the floor right before you start preaching, but it, it still works, so I'll remember what I'm saying, which is good. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today. I'll try not to drop this Bible as we go. And we are, we are in the midst of a sermon series that has to be one of my favorite sermon series of all time. And there is no question that this sermon series, as a, as a Christian who studies to teach, remember, I'm a Christian before I'm a, a pastor, so I am, I'm trying to learn this stuff for me, not just so that I can teach it to you. I don't know that I have ever been more impacted by five weeks of study and learning and application and sermons than I have for this series. And I, I don't know that, I've ever, that there's ever been a time in our church where literally I cannot wait for the next week so I can get up and preach on Sunday morning. I mean, since Tuesday afternoon, when I first began to really put the wraps on this message, I have not been able to wait to get here to preach. I went to bed last night, not worried about what time I had to get up, but excited for the alarm clock to go off so I could come and share with you today what I've been learning in Matthew chapter 6 because what I have been learning is life transforming truth. And if God can help you hear and understand what he has taught me in Matthew chapter 6 the way that I have understood it, I believe today has an opportunity to be a life-transforming day for you. So we're in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn there in your Bible or on your phone or on your tablet, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers are always around. They've got Bibles you can use. They've got Bibles you can have. So just wave at them if you want a Bible. Uh, I did a, a funeral on Wednesday night of a young dad in our church who lost his life um, the week before, or actually on Monday night. Um, and as we got done with the funeral on Monday evening, they had a verse on the back of his funeral program that was a verse on just being peaceful and being able to go to sleep and lying down. And it was really an unbelievable verse. And I, as I was talking to the parents after I got done doing the service, which really honored this young man and his faith well, um, I asked them where they got the verse. And they said, you know, we, we were looking for something that would speak to us. We were looking for a verse that would be his. And they said, we'd all been going through our Bibles. We couldn't find anything. So we went into his room and they said there lay his JCI Bible that they gave him for free at church. And they said it had been worn well in the verse that it was open to, the page it was open to, had that verse. I've never been more happy as a pastor that we hand out Bibles than I was in that moment to think that God's word had been comforting a very hurting young man and a very hurting family because we walk down the aisles and pass out the Bible. So ushers, I know you might get annoyed Sunday after Sunday walking around and holding up Bibles, but it is making a difference. Thank you so much. Matthew chapter 6 says this. It's the same text we read last week as we today cover the subject of how to overcome anxiety. Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom. 
and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, last week, I just briefly gave you the background context for worry and why Jesus is teaching on worry. And I want to give that to you again. So if you haven't yet, make sure you reach inside your bulletin and pull out your sermon notes so you can follow along today. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus begins his earthly ministry. It will be three years of preaching and teaching, but he begins it with Matthew four seventeen and Matthew four nineteen. When you combine those verses together, the opening statement that Jesus made to the world was you need to change your life and become more like me. You need to change your life and become more like me. And I think Jesus was saying, if you'll watch me the next three years, you'll understand what I'm saying. And if you listen to me the next three years, you'll understand what I'm saying. But the next three chapters would be a summary of what Jesus' ministry was going to be the next 36 months, how to, how to change your life to become more like Jesus. And it's so interesting. I don't know that I've ever gotten more feedback from a single sermon than I did last week. The text, the emails, the phone calls, the conversations, the talks on the sidewalk about people who said, I really, really, really needed this series on worry, on anxiety, on stress, because I'm, I'm living in a world where this is eating me up. I, f- I find it odd that we, we are two and a half years into our church, just pastorally, And I haven't taught anything yet on stress and worry when Jesus can't get more than a chapter into his teaching and he's already teaching on it. Clearly, Jesus knew that worry was a bigger problem than sometimes we understand it to be because it was one of the very first things he talked about in his ministry. And the thought that Jesus had is Jesus says, you need to change your life, become more like me, which means you need to worry less. Because the less you worry, the more like Jesus you'll become. Now, we said last week that worry is an old English term that means strangling or choking the life from. And we say we live in a world that is strangling and choking the life out of our future, out of our joy, out of our contentment, out of our finances, out of our marriage, out of our parenting and our kids and our jobs. We, we are living a life that we, that we sometimes feel like we can barely breathe in, that we're just trying to endure because we live with so much worry and anxiety. And I said last week, and I want you to do this again, because I heard several people say, my husband and I, every day we've been getting up and saying to each other, stop worrying so much. So turn to the person you came with and just say, stop worrying so much. Just right now, turn to the person you came with and say, stop worrying so much. Now, I want you to take a deep breath, and I want you to say to yourself, self, stop worrying so much. Because Jesus wants you and he wants me to worry less. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want us to worry at all. According to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, Jesus says three times in this text, don't worry. Don't worry. He actually said at one point, don't worry about your life. And then at another point, he said, don't worry about anything. Don't worry. Turn to your neighbor one more time. Say, don't worry. If you can remember those two words for the rest of your life, you're going to be ahead of the game. Now, here's what we learned last week. Jesus taught us that it's the pursuits in our life beyond our basic needs that can cause worry. And when we really begin to run after things beyond just the basic nuts and bolts of of what we have, it can cause worry. Now, it doesn't have to, but it has the capacity to. And Jesus taught us last week that the answer to worry is worship. Because worry and worship use the exact same brain function. You focus on something and think about it over and over and over and over again. And it's actually impossible to worry 
and worship at the exact same time. Because you have to use the same mental function to do them. You focus on something and think about it over and over and over again. When we think about the things that are unknown, we worry. When we think about God who we know and who hopefully we're going to learn today we believe can take care of us, we worship and we don't worry so much about the things in our life. So Jesus said, you've got all these things in your life. And he said, you need to pursue all these things in your life. He said, just put God first. Pursue all the things in your, all the things in your life that have the ability to cause you worry. They're not necessarily bad things. Jesus didn't say don't ever eat. He just said don't worry about eating. He didn't say don't, don't get dressed. He just said don't worry about getting dressed. He didn't say don't worry about what the future holds. Or he didn't say the future is not important. He just said don't worry about the future. Jesus said all these things that you got going on in your life, they're all important. They're all probably viable. They're all valuable. But don't worry about them. Because if you can focus on me and put me first, you're going to build this trust relationship that all those things are going to be taken care of. And you're going you're to be pursuing the same things, but you're going to be doing it all without worry and without anxiety. And that's what we want to learn. If you weren't here last week, in the NIV, we read the word worry six times in Matthew chapter 6. The, the more correct word is, is not worry, it's anxiety or anxious. And we said this, worry is a process of thought. Worry is something you think about. Anxiety is something you are. So Jesus says, I don't want you to live with anxiety. Every now and then you're going to think about stuff that you're going to have to wonder how it's going to happen. But I don't want you living with anxiety. I don't want you to live worried. So Jesus talks to us about how not to live worry, how to overcome anxiety. And he talks to us about it in Matthew chapter 6 and in Matthew chapter 7. And my goal today is, is to turn your focus towards what Jesus teaches. So hopefully all of us in what we call last week this run after generation, so busy pursuing things, can pursue those things without tremendous anxiety. Number one, Jesus says if you want to overcome anxiety, you're going to have to begin to focus on the character of God. You're going to have to focus on the character of God because if you pursue all these things and you're uncertain about the character of God, it's not going to help you overcome the anxiety in your life. Now let me tell you what I, what I mean by this. Because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32... And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus talks to us about the character of God. And here's what he says in verse 32 about the things that we're pursuing. He said, you have to understand your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You have to understand his character. He is aware of your needs. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says all these things he's going to give you. So before Jesus tells us how not to worry, he said, you have to learn how to focus on the character of God. Meaning, you have to believe that Jesus knows what you need and he's going to provide those for you. You have to believe in his character, that he's a good God who knows what you need and is going to give you what you need. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus expanded on this thought a little bit, and I, lo- I never really understood how Matthew 6 and Matthew 7 came together until I've taught on the Sermon on the Mount the last few weeks. But here's what Jesus says about the character of God in Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? 
So Jesus says, you need to understand, if you're going to overcome anxiety, you have to understand this worry fact. You have to understand that God cares. This is a character of God question. This isn't a competency of God question. This isn't can God. This is more of a question of will God. Does, does God care? Does he really know what I need? And will he, will he help me with that? The reality is, I think the reason that this series is touching such a nerve in my life is that my anxiety problem, which I've, I've talked a little bit about in our church, I, I struggle severely with anxiety. I struggle severely with worry. I, I can't fall asleep most nights. The minute I wake up, my mind is going 180 miles an hour. And it's all, most of the time, projecting things that could happen in the future and how they could go poorly. I just, it's just kind of the way that I'm shaped. And what I learned as I began to study Matthew chapter 6 is that my anxiety problem and my worry problem at, at the root was a spiritual problem. I questioned the character of God. Because my question wasn't whether or not God could help me. It was whether or not God cared enough to help me. Growing up in church, I never wondered, can God? Um, I just whether, I wondered whether or not God would. I wondered if he cared about me deeply enough. And, and what I had to do as I began to learn how to overcome anxiety is I had to memorize verses in Scripture that told me that God cared. I knew kind of intrinsically God could, but I needed to know God cared. So I, I set a list of verses out, and three or four years ago, I began to memorize these verses that, that confirmed to me that God cared. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18, where David says, How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. If were, I, were I to count them, they would outnumber the, the grains of the sands. David said, God, I know you think about me. I know you care about me. In Matthew 10.30, Jesus reminded us that the very hairs of our head are all numbered. God knows us and cares so much about us. He actually knows how much hair we have on our head. In Jeremiah 29.11, I memorized this verse, that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I care about you and I care about your future. Psalm 56, 8, one of my favorite verses. You number my wonderings. You put my tears in a bottle. Are they not all recorded in your book? The psalmist goes as far to say, as God cares so much about me that every time I have cried a tear, God has notated it and he has notated why I have cried that tear so that he can comfort me. Now, some of you might be able to try to go home, cut your head and count your hair and say, aha, I know myself as well as God knows me. But there's not a soul in the room who knows how many tears they've cried, why they've cried them, and what they've needed to comfort them in those moments. But that's how well God knows us. That's how much God cares, according to Scripture. And what's funny is we all have this little prayer memorized that very few of us really believe. And it's one of the first ones that I was taught to pray around the dinner table with my mom and dad. God is great. God is good. Let him thank us. Let us thank him for our food. You know, I believe most of us believe God is great. I think sometimes we question whether or not God is good. We know God can. The question is, does God care? Is he really good? And I think we live in a world that's trying to figure out whether we serve a good God, whether he's a good guy, whether, whether he knows, whether he cares. We don't question if he can. We should question if he cares. And Jesus says if you're going to overcome your anxiety, it starts with the character of God. It doesn't start with God is great. It starts with God is good. It starts with believing God wants the best for you. 
It starts with believing that God, listen, God cares more about your future than you do. God cares more about your kids than you do. God cares more about you being taken care of than you do. It starts with the belief, this character of God, that God cares so deeply for you that there's no need to worry. Regardless of whether or not he can, he cares so much that there's no need to worry. And Jesus says, if you want to learn to overcome anxiety, you've got to learn to trust the character of God that he cares so much for you that you don't have to worry because he actually cares about you and your future more than you do. Secondly, Jesus says, after you begin to understand the character of God, you have to focus on the confidence that you can have in God. You have to understand the character of God, but you have to understand the confidence that you can have in God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, the apostle John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So John said, I not only know God cares about me, but I know that anything I need, he's going to give to me. I'm confident in that. Hebrews 13, 6 says this, say, so we say then with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So they can fire me. They can take my job. They can give me a poor diagnosis. My husband or wife can leave me. There's no telling what human beings can do to other human beings to hurt them. But our confidence is not in human beings. The, the psalmist and the author of Hebrews and the apostle John say our confidence is in God. Because when we have confidence in who God is, we don't worry about what man can do or what man has done. You see, worry, unfortunately, is a result in an absolute lack of confidence and what God will do, or what God can do. And for most of us, many times our worry issue is a trust issue. We worry because we really wonder if God is going to come through. We really wonder if God can come through. It's a trust issue. We, we, just, we just don't know whether or not God's going to be there. And we don't know how firmly we can believe in that. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, and in Matthew 6.30, Jesus has two rhetorical questions. In 6.26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Jesus asks this question. Do you not, be, do you not believe that you're more valuable than birds? In Matthew 6.30, Jesus says this, if that's how God clothes the grass of the fields which here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So Jesus asks us these two rhetorical, rhetorical questions. Do you think you're more valuable than birds? Do you think you're more valuable than, than grass? And worry answers these questions with this phrase. I don't know. I don't know. You see, those of us who are sitting in here today and we're worried about tomorrow and we're worried about next month, and we're worried about next quarter, and we're worried about next year, Jesus comes to us today and says, listen, listen, listen. If if I'm going to take care of the birds next month, do you not think I'm going to take care of you? And the heart of worry says, I don't know. If I'm to be honest, God, I I don't know. I mean, the answer that I learned in Sunday school was yes, but my heart, my worry, my anxiety says I don't know. Jesus asked this rhetorical question, do you not think I'm going to take care of all your physical needs? The heart of worry says, I don't know. The life of worry screams, I don't know. 
is a trust issue. It's, it's a focus not on the confidence of God, but on wondering whether or not God can and God will. Now, I never realized how God felt about this part of my spiritual DNA until two years ago. And it was actually my daughter, Casey, who helped me understand this. They have events at my kids' school um, a couple times a year for parents to come hang out with the kids. And one of the events that they have is Dogs with Dads. Um, where, where parents go in, for those of you who are in the Lee Summit School District, and eat hot dogs with your kids at lunch. And they had a Dogs with Dads day where dads were supposed to go in and have lunch with their kids and eat hot dogs. And my kids had lunch at different hours, so I had to go at different times. Um, but Casey has inherited my spiritual DNA, which means she is, I mean, she's like a card-carrying member of the Worry Club already at 10. She worries about everything. And before they left for school that day, she said, Dad, you know, it's, it's Dad's with Dogs Day. Are you going to come? I said, yes, Casey, I'm going to come. Do you know what time my lunch is? Yes, Casey, I know what time your lunch is. Um, you know you have to bring money. Yes, okay, Casey, I'm going to bring the money. I mean, she's the little adult who helps us remember everything. So I go that day, and we're sitting at the table, and we're eating our hot dogs, and she looks at me and says, um, Dad, like, I didn't think you were going to come. And I said, Casey, why did, you think I was, why did you think that I wouldn't come? I don't know, Dad. I was just worried that you weren't going to show up. And I said, Casey, did I tell you I was going to come? And she said, yes. I said, did I promise you I was going to come? She said, yes. I said, have I ever not come when I said that I was going to? And she said, no. And I said, then why, why did you think I wouldn't show up? She said, I don't know. I just, thought, I just thought that. And at that moment, God said to me as a father, so see how it feels? See how it feels, Christian, when I tell you I'm going to show up, when I promise you it's going to be okay, when there's no time in your past you can look and say, I wasn't there, and yet you wonder anyway, wonder if God's going to show up. See how it feels? You see how that feels? And I'm telling you, I sat there and learned a spiritual lesson sitting on some seat that only held one of my butt cheeks because it was created for a fifth grader, right? And I'm sitting there eating this old crusty hot dog, and God is saying to me, see how it feels? Christian, I am your heavenly Father, I have promised you I'm going to be there. I have promised you I'm going to come through. I have promised you I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You have an entire past filled with re the reality that I have never left you or forsake you, and yet you sit day after day and wonder if I'm going to show up. See how it feels? Take that. Doesn't feel good, does it? And I thought, Lord, it doesn't. And I'll never forget the lesson I learned at Dads with Dogs that when God says, when our Heavenly Father says He's going to do something, if there's no reason to believe that He's not going to, we just got to trust that because we have to learn how to overcome anxiety. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. By the way, all this great truth is in one sermon, the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying the last five weeks. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the, to the one who knocks the door will be open. Now here's how the person who lives with anxiety reads these verses or believes these verses deep down. Ask and it might be given to you. Seek and you might find. Knock and the door might be open to you. For everyone who asks might receive. The one who seeks might find, and the one to whom knocks, the door might be opened. Is that how you read those verses spiritually? Because if I were to be honest, that's how I read those verses spiritually. I know God, I, I know God cares. I just wonder every now and then if he's really going to come through. 
And too many times we replace God's will with our might. And guess what? Our might is a lot weaker than God's will. When God says, I will, we can't change it to he might. He doesn't give us that opportunity. But that's what happens when we live with worry and anxiety. We take the promises of God and and we wonder if he really means them when he's never given us a reason to wonder about that. You know, I, I started studying. I thought, okay, Lord, clearly you don't want us to worry. You've told us not to worry. So I'm kind of a practical guy. I want the step-by-step instructions. So how do we not worry? I mean, I get the command, don't worry. How do we not worry about all these things? And Jesus' answer to our worry problem is what I call worship prayer. Jesus' answer to our worry problem is worship prayer. Remember, worry and worship are the exact same things with our focus on different issues. Worry thinks on and on and on, focuses on and thinks about problems. Worship focuses on and thinks about God. But, but how, do we, how do we flip the switch from worry to worship? Jesus says you're going to do that through prayer. After realizing that God cared for me, after realizing that God wanted to help me, after realizing that God didn't want me to worry, I had to learn what that help looked like. So I started digging through the New Testament to figure out how Jesus said this worked, and I tripped on Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In one translation, it says they should always pray and not lose hope. We could say here that Jesus said, Jesus taught his disciples a parable that they should always pray and never worry. This is the thought here. When you begin to worry, just pray. And he he told the story of a persistent widow, somebody who... The first time she asked, it didn't happen. The second time she asked, it didn't happen. But the third time she asked, because she kept asking, a judge just said, whatever, fine, take it. Go where you want. Jesus says, if you will just keep asking, if you will show persistence, if you will pray instead of worrying, eventually you're going to pray that prayer hundreds of times and God's going to give you what you really need. You just have to keep praying. You know, um, Friday uh, was my dog's birthday. Um, he turned five and, uh, I, you know, I, I have a little lap dog. His name is Rudy. And I admit that he's one of my best friends in the world. I, I am an animal guy. Uh, I love my dog. So we were celebrating Rudy's birthday and we went to PetSmart to buy him a treat. We had dinner last night with a couple in our church who has a dog and the dad confessed to me after dinner. He's like, I don't even like animals. And I prayed for him on the way home. So I thought, you know, that's really, that's, that's not a nice thing to say about that little dog. Um, cause I, I'm, I'm an animal person. I love my dog. So we're at PetSmart and we're shopping for dogs and we go by the fish tanks um, and we see a little fish um, that was the same type of fish as, as Finding Nemo. Those of you who have kids under the age of 15, you remember the Finding Nemo movie. Um, and they had the little blue fish, the little dory fish. And one of my favorite lines from Finding Nemo, when my son was really young, um, we, find out, we found out that Finding Nemo was a, was a phenomenal babysitter. Um, and he may have watched that movie 500 times. I mean, it was like every, just on, re, we, we just keep repeating that movie. And I never forget when they got stuck in the net, um, all these fish. And Dory kept saying, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. She made it just keep swimming, swimming, just keep swimming, just keep Jesus is saying here, just keep praying, just keep praying. But God, I'm worried, just keep praying. But God, I'm worried about it, just keep praying. But God, I just lost my job, just keep praying. But God, I don't know about my marriage, just keep praying. Well, God, what about our finances? Just keep praying, just keep praying, just keep praying, just keep 
praying is what Jesus is saying because worship prayer becomes the answer to our worry problem. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, don't be anxious. You need to circle that word anxious on your sermon notes. For those of you who, like me, struggle with anxiety and stress and worry, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, your job, your marriage, your health, your family's health, your finances, your future, your kids, in every situation, by prayer and petition, that means you're asking, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This has become my favorite go-to worry verse. God says, don't, be, don't worry about anything. In the message translation, says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. So that the peace of God can guard your hearts and minds. Now the Greek word that Paul used there for guard is the word garrison. Paul said God's peace will garrison your hearts and your minds. Now a garrison of Roman soldiers was between 300 and 1,000 Roman soldiers. The word garrison in Roman literature was used most often for a fortress, not even a number of soldiers. So Paul said if you will pray instead of worry... God will send hundreds of angels to make sure you have mental and spiritual peace. If you will pray instead of worry, you're going to live in this spiritual fortress where you can't be touched with anything but God's peace. If you will pray instead of worry, and every time you worry, just start praying. If you will do that, you're going to live with, with peace. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter says, cast your anxiety. Here's this word again, anxiety. You should circle that. You, you worry people like me. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This word cast is a picture of, of, of a little boy standing out by the lake skipping rocks. But unfortunately, we cast our cares on God. I, I, I pray, unfortunately, like I fish. And a lot of times we cast our cares upon God like we're fishing rather than we're casting rocks. Because I don't know anyone who's ever skipped a rock across a lake and then went and got it so they can skip it again. But I can think of plenty of times where I've cast my line out and then I reel it back in to take care of it myself. Then I cast it again and then I reel it back in and I cast it again. And for me, my worship prayer goes something like this, God help me. And if he doesn't immediately help me, I reel it back in again and figure out if I can go find some help someplace else. God says, cast your kid. He literally says, just throw away your anxiety and God will take care of you. Just give it to him and don't take it back and he'll, and he'll care for you. I have to wonder if Peter wasn't quoting Psalm 55, 22, where in the Old Testament, the psalmist said, cast your cares upon the Lord and he'll sustain you. He'll not let the righteous be shaken. That's what worry does. That's what anxiety does. It just shakes our life to the core. And God says it doesn't have to be that way. Psalm 94, 19 says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. What's consolation? It's our word console. It's when somebody comes beside you and says, It's okay. Jesus says, Our answer for worry is worship. And that worship doesn't just look like singing a song. That worship looks like prayer. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't, don't, don't give up hope. Don't worry. Just pray. This is what Jesus said. This is what the Apostle Paul said. This is what the psalmist says. And, and when we look in Scripture, we find out that the formula looks like this. In a healthy Christian, worship is greater than worry. In a healthy Christian, worship is greater than worry. But in an anxious Christian, worry 
is greater than worship. And I'll be honest with you, I had days this week where I looked like a healthy Christian and I had days this week where I looked like an anxious Christian. And sometimes I go in hours, not days. Sometimes I go in moments, not even hours. Because I struggle with the unknown and what's going to happen. And I struggle just to pray and give it to God and not think about it anymore. But that's, that's what we're told to do. The worry fact that Jesus wants us to understand is that God can help and God wants to help. But too rarely do we ask God for help. In the book of James, James says there's a lot of you who you haven't received God's help, even though God can help and God wants to help. In James 4, 2, James says you don't have because you don't ask God. The reason you haven't stopped worrying is because you've not asked God to help you with that problem you're worrying about. And the reason he hasn't come through is because you've not given him an opportunity to. Or you prayed once, like Christian did, and then you reel it back in and go find another spot to, to let your worry figure itself out in your life. And then in James 1.6, some of you say, well, you know, I pray all the time. But do you pray with the right spirit? Because in James 1.6, James says when you ask, you've got to believe and not doubt. When you ask, you've got to believe. Now, this, this biblical word for believe is an interesting English word. Because remember, the New Testament was written in Greek and is a lot of times best understood through pictures, not English words. This word believe means literally to put all your weight on or all your trust in. The biblical word believe literally means to trust with your entire self. It's the picture of sitting down on something and believing that it will hold you there. In James chapter 2, James said the demons believe in God. They have a head knowledge of him, but they've not really given all their life to him. In Acts 16.31, the New King James Version translates it the best. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. The Apostle Paul is not saying, he's not saying make a head decision. He said you need to take all your life and entrust all your life to Jesus. Believe on him. Just trust him. Just everything you are on everything he is. Just trust him. And James says when you pray, you've got to believe. When you pray, you've got to get all in with God. And what's interesting is when we look at this posture, we see that praying, believing actually brings rest. It gets us over our anxiety. This doesn't look like the run after generation. This looks like somebody who's waiting on God to come through for them. Unfortunately, the run after generation worry is kind of, I can picture it as pacing. You know, is God going to show up? Is God going to show up? Is God going to show up? And often when we add prayer to our worry in our generation, it looks like this. Is God going to show up? Is God going to show up? Is God going to show up? You know, I'm bringing prayer. I got prayer, but I'm, but you know, prayer does, I don't feel like prayer is allowing me to relax. And I don't feel like prayer is, is taking the anxiety away. I actually feel like prayer is kind of a weight to me. It's because you're praying the wrong way. You're praying saying, God, I want you to do this for me, but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to carry the load. When Jesus says you need to pray this way, all right, God, you got this. And I'll just wait. And I won't worry. Matter of fact, I'll rest. That would be be a way to overcome anxiety. I'll just rest a little bit. 
And what we find out as we read Scripture, worship prayers allow us to rest in God rather than worry about God coming through for us. And this is what Scripture tells us in Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. How do we overcome anxiety? Psalm 16, 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices and my flesh will rest in hope. You see, the run after generation adds prayer to a part of the process of trying to overcome their anxiety. But God doesn't want prayer to be a part of our process. God wants prayer to be the answer to our process. And it's not one of five, it's not one of three, it's one. The answer to overcoming worry is worship prayer that just allows you to rest in who God is. You know, when we look at our worry facts and our worship prayer verses, what I have found out in my life is that these offer zero help until they're applied. And we can memorize all the verses and we can quote all the verses and we can know Jesus doesn't want us to worry and we can even know how not to worry. But until we will do this, until we will enter a phase in our worship and our, our worry and our anxiety of worship prayer where we just stop and we pray believing, we put all our weight on what only God can do and we rest. Until we do that, we're not really going to overcome the anxiety that rules our life. And it's why Isaiah 40, 30 through 31 says so rightly, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Some of you today, if you don't learn how to go, from this posture, oh yeah, I'm worried, but I'm praying. Prayer's going to wear you out in this posture. It's going to get old. But if you can get to this posture in your anxiety, here's, here's our worship facts, our bottom line. God cares. I can rest because God cares. And God can. I can sit this one out because the character of God tells me that He cares. And my confidence in God tells me that he can. So I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to give it to God. I'm not going to take it back. I'm going to live within an armed squad of peace that won't let worry in. I'm going to live in a fortress of spiritual peace that won't allow worry to even come inside. And I'm just going to wait on God. Our application today, pretty simple. The spiritual response to worry problems is worship prayers. And guess what? They're not long. My favorite prayers in Scripture are all, are all found in the book of Nehemiah. You might just jot down his name. This won't be on your list. It won't be on the screen. But Nehemiah is filled with what I call text message prayers, meaning that, that they're all like less than a sentence. And some of Nehemiah's prayers he doesn't even say, he just mentions. Like in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, it says, somebody asked me a question that made me nervous, so I prayed and then I answered that prayer probably sounded like this to those who are watching. And I don't know what he said in that time, but it allowed him to give that moment of worry over to God. In Nehemiah 5.19, Nehemiah prayed this, Remember me, God. That's it. That's the whole prayer. 
You don't know how many times I've walked into a meeting that I had a lot of nerve, nerves about, and I just walked in and said, okay, God, just be with me. Amen. Like that was the whole prayer. In Nehemiah 6, 9, Nehemiah prayed this. It was the whole prayer. Strengthen me, God. You don't know how many days I've, I've woken up to go to a meeting or to go to work or to do something that I was so tired to do in my prayer. And, and I had this prayer this Monday night before I walked into a funeral. I drove into a funeral home and saw dozens of, I call them kids, young 20s, standing on the steps. They're really hurting over the loss of a friend. I stopped and I just said, help me, Lord. That was it. Like, I don't think I said, dear Lord. I don't think I said, amen. It's just, help me, Lord. And then in Nehemiah 13, 14, and in Nehemiah 13, 31, Nehemiah prayed again two prayers. They both were this. Remember me, God. Just remember me. He didn't drop a knee. I probably didn't even close an eye. A lot of times he didn't even say anything out loud. But he had this thing in his heart that said, when I worry, I'm just going to pray. And like, I'm going to just talk to God like I'm sending him a text message. Help me, God. Be with my kids. Be with my husband. Take away the worry strengthen me, I'm tired. Jesus commands us, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about anything. And then as we read through the rest of the New Testament, the only way that happens is if we add prayer to that. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Jesus taught his disciples, don't ever give up or worry too much. Instead, just pray. So I believe if we can learn how, and next week I'll continue teaching on this topic of worry And I'm going to give you some real practical steps to talk about worry from within, worry from without, and worry from above. I'm going to talk to you about good good things that we should care about versus things that we probably just need to ditch altogether. But if we can learn for every moment of worry to have a moment of worship in prayer, I believe God can radically change our psyche, our anxiety, our worry, our joy. And I believe that chokehold that we have on our future, our jobs, our marriages, our finances, our lives will slowly release so we can really begin to rest a little bit on God and we we can live a lot of our life spiritually just hanging right here because we know God can and we know God cares and we just believe fully, which leads to rest, that God will take care of it. He is in control of the future. If we can believe that, it will change our lives. Let's pray together.